0: We join our hearts for prayer. Jesus, come. Come again, we pray, into this space and into our lives. Jesus, we prepare to celebrate your coming. Born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus, we anticipate your great return in glory. But we pray now that you would come. Come and be for us our peace Come and be for us our life. Come and be for us our salvation and safety. We pray, Jesus, in Your name. Amen. During the Advent season, we're going to be thinking about lights and and different ways that lights help us to think about Jesus. And the light that we're going to consider today is this light, you know what kind of light this is? Do you know what this is for? Anybody? Railroad. railroad. Yeah, this is a railroad light. It's a signal light, and in the olden days, you know, someone would have one of these, and and. Uh, uh, have different motions to it, and and help the engineers and the trains get into the station, get coupled up the right cars to the right cars, get people on the train, and then they could get off to where they need to be, whether it was Chicago or Detroit or or New York City. And so this is a a, a signalman's light. Maybe this maybe this one was used in Durand. Do you know about Durand? As kids, we used to call it Durand. I don't know if that's an insult, but the, we'd call it Dur- uh, Durand. Did you know that the The train station in Durand was the second busiest train station in the state of Michigan back in the early 1900s. There would be 42 passenger trains, 22 mail trains, and 78 freight trains that would go through Durand every single day. I looked that back up because I thought I got it wrong at first. Uh, It was a busy place. 3,000 passengers would come and go through the train station there in Durand. Uh, Durand was seldom the destination. Uh, People would go out into the wilderness of Durand and hop onto the train, and they'd go to different cities, Detroit, Chicago, maybe New York City. This morning in our sermon, we want to think about John the Baptist as the signal, man, as the signal light. And we're going to consider the Baptist's signal. He went out into the wilderness and, and shown his light. He wasn't the real light, but he shown his light that others might see and believe in Jesus, that we might get connected to Jesus and head out for the city. And not Chicago or Detroit or New York, not even Jerusalem, but for the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, where you and I will be with Jesus for all glory. Today, then, we want to think about John as God's signal man. Uh, It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Uh, John the Baptist, as Jesus said about him, was the greatest person who ever lived. And he had that spirit, as we heard in the children's message, not of bringing glory and honor upon himself, but to be a signal man, to point people to Jesus. He said those great words, He must increase and I must decrease. As we look at John and his signaling today, uh, there are three things he wants to signal for us. Uh, The first is he wants to signal that there's a new king. That Jesus, this fellow from Nazareth, is the one in whom we are to put our hope and our confidence. And that he's a new king. He's not like the kings or the rulers of the earth. He's not like the the Caesars. He's not like the Pharaohs. He's not like Nebuchadnezzar. He's not like presidents and governors and mayors and other rulers on the face of the earth. That he is a good and gracious king who comes to save people. It was prophesied about him, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And and we saw in the Old Testament lesson read earlier from Isaiah chapter 11, the sort of king that he was announcing. He said, And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Remember what they said about Jesus when they heard him teach? They said, We've never heard anyone talk like this. There was the spirit of counsel and might You remember how he fed the masses, how he raised the dead, how he healed the sick? It says, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. That's kind of an odd phrase, isn't it, about Jesus? The fear of uh, the delight. His delight shall be the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? Where do we see that? Remember the garden on that night? The night when he was betrayed and Jesus was just overcome with anguish. The sweat, it said was like blood running down his forehead. And remember his prayer. He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass, but nevertheless not my will, but your will be done. That was Jesus delighting in the fear of the Lord in that he was looking to Yahweh. He was trusting in his Father above all things that he might bring glory to him and salvation for us. John the Baptist is announcing this new king. He wants you and me, he wanted them to put our trust in him. Uh, we see some other characteristics about this king from Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, this prophecy that John or that Matthew uses in our gospel lesson uh, talks about the voice of one crying in the wilderness. This is from Isaiah chapter 40 and then in Isaiah chapter 40 it says, and what shall I cry? And then we have some more in Isaiah chapter 40. And all of that should show for us what the message of the the signal man was about from Isaiah 40 verse 10. He says, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and His arm rules for Him. That that John was saying, See this, Jesus, this is God Himself. Behold, His reward is with Him. His recompense is before Him. That Jesus came to bring good gifts. He came to bring life and salvation, uh, peace with God. It says He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Of course, we remember Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. And a good shepherd lays down his life for his friends. John is signaling for us the king to believe in. Jesus, he brings good gifts like nobody else. He he cares for us like nobody else. This is a continuation from that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40 beginning at verse 28. It says, He does not faint or grow weary. The Messiah, the King, is not going to give up, is not going to give in. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. These are some pretty famous words. We want to see them today all connected with Jesus. This is what Jesus does for us. That when we look to him, when we trust him, when we follow him, he gives us strength. He enables us to to rise up and fly with wings like eagle. John is signaling for us this new king that we wouldn't trust in the powers and the principalities of this world but put our hope in Jesus, the great King. A second thing that John is signaling for us is a new way of thinking. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He announces the king, and he also says, repent. Now, the word repent is somewhat problematic for us. In it, we don't typically fully understand or or consider uh, that... the the center of that word. Generally, when you hear the word repent, you hear straighten up, right? Repent, knock it off. Repent, come and tell God how sorry you are. That's not at the heart of the word repent. I mean, we are to confess our sins before God, it says a little later. It says, uh, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. We are to confess our sins before God, but that's not what repentance is at its heart. At its heart, repentance is about a new way of thinking. To repent means you get a new mind. That's what John was signaling for With Jesus. He says there's a new way of thinking. Uh, We're not going to think anymore like like the old way. You know, the world's way. Self-centeredness, self-focus, pride, arrogance. uh, Chasing after the things of the flesh. uh, Chasing after self above all things. We We don't have that kind of mind anymore. God has come to us and given us a new mind. A mind that's been cleansed by Jesus. A mind that's filled with peace. A mind that's filled with joy a mind that's filled with with love and and kindness one toward another a mind that 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 doesn't obsess about self but focuses on on God above all things too often we think about repentance is something we do and it's really more about what God gives to us A, a new mind you can't get a new mind on your own right It'd be like a heart transplant. You can't get a new heart on your own. You need somebody else to give you a heart. The same with this word repent, new mind. It's all about what God has done for us. I'll give you another example. On the day of Pentecost, Peter was preaching and it says everyone was cut to the heart. And they said, what should we do to be saved? And he said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we want to use those words, repent and be baptized, as something that we do. Okay, God, look it, I'm in, I got baptized. Look at God, I'm in, I've repented. Those words aren't about things that, that we have accomplished. Those words are words of grace. Repent and be baptized, those are both gifts from God. Baptism. You know, Weston didn't just do this for himself. God came to Weston and, and gave him a new life. And God comes to us in repentance and gives us a new mind. It's like when uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus and was asking about being saved. And Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Well, how are you going to do that, Nicodemus said. I can't go back into my mother's womb, can I? No, it's from God. It's from God. The new life is from God. The new, new uh, baptism is from God. The new way of thinking is from God maybe you'd write this down repentance is more given than it is done and that's what God wants to give to you and to me today a renewed mind not after the world but after the will and the wisdom of God there's a third thing that John is signaling for us he signals a new king he signals a new way of thinking and he signals a new way of living as we are connected to Jesus, there's a new way of life. It says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. This is a somewhat unholy alliance, a surprising alliance. The Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't see eye to eye, but they were allied against Jesus. Or against John and about the kingdom that was coming. Now make no mistake about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, whatever we think about them. They were very religious people, and they did all of the right religious things. and so they were surely somewhat surprised that when they came out that John said that there's something else in their lives. He called them, this is kind of this is, a, this is a harsh word or phrase, he called them a brood of vipers. Uh, do you know who Herodotus was? Herodotus is, is known as the father of history. Ancient Greek guy. And, and he, he wrote, one of the things that he wrote about was the birth of vipers. And he, he recounted that vipers are born by eating their way out of their mother's womb and thereby killing their mother. And this was sort of the, what, what John is saying. Here you people think you're so religious. You're nothing but a bunch of mother killers. This was very strident. It was surprising. So whatever life they were living wasn't living according to the will and the wisdom of God. John is signaling there's a new way of living beyond religious observance. And that's the way of love. You might write this down. He talked about the fruit of repentance. The fruit of repentance is loving beyond religion clearly religion wasn't the fruit of repentance because they were very religious people god is not looking for you and me to sit here this morning on a sunday morning and be religious i mean it's good for us to come to church and to do the things we're doing here uh, but but just being religiously good people is not what god has in mind for us he has a new way of living for us it is the way of love Right? That's what Jesus said. They came and they said, well, what are the great commandments? You shall, you shall love the Lord your God with all your, your heart, soul, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, he said, all men will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. John the Baptist is signaling for us as we have this new mind to have a new way of living that transcends simple religion that we would love God and to love one another. As we get ready for Christmas, I want to encourage you at Christmas time to do more than worship. You know, we, we like Christmas and we gather together on Christmas Eve and, and we worship and we sing songs and all of that and praise God and, and all that's good. But John is not inviting us as he announces Jesus. He's not inviting us to worship and praise. He's inviting us to get a new mind, a new way of thinking, a new way of living. I found this quote this last week. It says, what should be our response to the coming of heaven's rule? Surprisingly, it's not worship or praise. John doesn't mention that. But repentance. A new mind. Perhaps that's the big problem with the coming of the kingdom or the coming of Jesus at Christmas or Palm Sunday or Easter. We want to come and celebrate and praise. But God wants us to come and repent. To receive from Him a new mind and a new life because there's a new king you probably know this we don't sing all of the verses to the hymns that you could sing Uh, you might not know this if you open up the hymnal uh, often there are more verses available than what's listed in the hymn some of the hymns that we use actually have 15 or 16 different verses we just don't use all of those There's a hymn we sing at Christmas time, Angels from the Realms of Glory. And we typically sing this verse. You know this verse. Angels from the realms of glory wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ the newborn King. That's a great verse. We can sing that. There's a verse that we, we probably won't sing but could. A verse we probably won't sing but maybe should. This hymn was first uh, published on Christmas Eve in 1816, and here's the verse. Sinners wrung with true repentance, a new mind, a new life, doomed for guilt to endless pains. Justice now revokes the sentence. Mercy calls you. Break your chains. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn King. Today let the the work of John the Baptist signal for you in a new way that Jesus is the great King who brings to us a new way of thinking and a new way of living. Amen.